hello, and welcome back to Agency Nation Radio. My name is Ryan Hanley. I am your host, and I am joined today by by a good friend in the industry, Stuart Gannis, the president of Gannis Consulting, a uh, guy I've gotten to spend some time with, uh, well, I guess tons of time online, but recently uh, in person for a couple of days at LeedsCon in Vegas, which was a ton of fun. We both uh, made our donation to to the casino to make sure that it still has some operating funds to continue on and uh, and got to chat a lot about the insurance industry. What's going on, man? Everything. How are you doing? So the cool thing about uh, having a podcast is that last night at about 9.30 p.m. Eastern time, uh, I got an email from you saying, dude, when are we going to do a podcast? And I said, dude, tomorrow. Let's do a podcast. <laughs> so... Uh, and I love that because um, uh, we got a bunch of things to talk about, and, and I certainly am not going into this uh, half-cocked, but but I do think it's fun that we can kind of have some excitement, jump on a show, and share our conversation with uh, with the Agency Nation radio audience. So here, here's, here's where I want to start, man. Um, and I'll have links up to... Stuart's LinkedIn profile, his website. Um, this is episode 88, so if you go to agencynation.com forward slash podcast, uh, you can uh, get all the links, connect with Stuart. I highly recommend you do so. Uh, and, and many of you have probably seen him out at different events or heard him speak and all that kind of good stuff. Um, we, won't, we won't do the whole background thing. I just want to get into, um, into, into your thoughts on some topics. And in particular, one that, that we've actually chatted about a couple times and uh, is – how do you know who to listen to, right? I mean, this, this is something that's always on my head uh, is you know, there's so many people, especially today with social media and you can blog on any given platform and all this kind of stuff. And I, you know, I guess I'm as guilty of it as, as anybody, but you know, there's, everybody wants to be a thought leader today. If you're, if you're an agent, if you're a, a carrier professional, if you're a, a vendor, you know, if you're, if you're in the space and, and you're not trying to be a thought leader, you're just trying to grow your business and move forward and, and and build and connect and grow and all those kind of things. You know, how, how do you know who to actually listen to? I, I just, I, I, you know what I mean? Like, I, I just feel like there's so much noise. Like, how do you know what's actually going to help you, what people are actually uh, kind of leaning into the space in, in a way that's very positive and, and who are just kind of regurgitating things they've heard in other places and, and mostly it's just self-serving? Yeah, that's a pretty interesting question because that's been on my mind lately too. Because I, I look at you know social media, <clears throat> you know I, I love LinkedIn. It's probably my favorite platform of all. And you look at some of the advice and some of the people writing this stuff, and um, you know you wonder if they've ever worked in an insurance agency. Uh, you know, let alone give people advice on you should, you need to. There's a lot of talking at agents as opposed to talking to agents, and uh, it gets under my skin a bit. So that's, that's a great question. I think, you know, 10 years ago when, uh, when we started this consulting firm after we sold our first agency, we, we realized when we were trying to sell our agency that there's no help for the agency under a million, right? If you're two and a half million, at the time it was more like five million in revenue, you could go to Reagan Consulting, Marshberry, and these people would gladly take your phone call, sell you consulting packages, help you sell your agency, perpetuate whatever you wanted to do. But nobody was serving the small guy, and that's how we started here. And one thing I've always said is agents need to speak to other agents. So, you know, we go to these conferences and we go in these, uh, you know, to these breakout sessions and these keynotes and we listen to these people that, again, 
80% of them have never even worked in an insurance agency. They're business consultants from other businesses. And for some reason, we're listening to them, which they oftentimes have some good advice. It is good to hear the outsider's perspective. Don't get me wrong. But agents don't meet enough. So I would rather see 10 agents meet and discuss best practices and the challenges they're going through with one another as opposed to depending on some outsider expert. So I, I talk to other agents, man, because I don't know if you've ever been on a, you know, maybe your church has has some sort of a, an event where it's, you know, the husbands go on a retreat and you sit around, you're talking to six or eight other men and you find out that they're dealing with the same exact challenges you are. Their kids do the same things, their wives do, you know, they, they're trying to figure out how to, how, to, how to get along with their wives better. They're trying to figure out how to raise their kids properly. And you're like, wow, that's my life. And I think agents need to talk to other agents more than they do today. Yeah, I I, I agree with you, man. I uh, you know it, it's sometimes I have these little existential crises because I'm not an agent anymore, right? I'm I'm still licensed. I still keep my licenses up, and and obviously I'm very involved in the industry, just like you. But but I don't sell insurance and every day anymore. And um, you know I. I I have deep connections. You know, it's funny, both our wives still sell insurance. Um, you know, my family's very involved. My brother-in-law owns his own renter's insurance agency. I talk to agents every day. But, but I, I agree with you. It's these, it's these touch points where agents get to talk to agents. And I think as, as uh, I, don't, I don't know if I technically would be considered a consultant these days, but as someone who tries to help agents as much as I can, it almost becomes more of you, you try to be a facilitator or a disseminator of of information rather than someone who is um, preaching right I always I really I try very hard and to not preach to not like you said talk talk with instead of at right and and I and I actually I, I work with my team a lot on you know does this sound like I'm, I'm trying I don't want to preach to people does it sound like I'm preaching to them I don't want to be preachy I don't want people to feel like like I know better than they do about their business. I'm just trying to share ideas that I've come across or that I've heard other agents talk about, and and be that that distribution point. Um, and and that's a really that's a really tough road to walk. You, uh, it's very easy to get caught in the thought leader trap where all of a sudden, because you got 25 likes on an article, you you somehow are smarter than other people and know better than other people. Um, that's a really that's a really easy trap to fall into, and unfortunately, it can be. Uh, if you if you do fall into it, um, you're not just hurting yourself; you're hurting everyone who believes that that you still uh, are working in their best interest. Yeah, and I'll tell you what was very humbling for me is you know Mary and I uh, started an agency in 2000 that we ended up selling six years later. That was gigantic. I mean, you know, it was it was it was pretty uh pretty amazing what we did in terms of growth and then in 2012 we started another agency and we we grow every year we're adding a nice amount of premium on the books every single year but the business is so different from 2005 to 2012 a year or two ago i was sitting here going expert my foot you know there's no experts you know what i mean the best thing you could do is go to your peers that are that are facing the same challenges every single day get to know them, have workshops. The problem is most agents want to keep things close to the vest. So they feel like if they're sharing best practices with other agents, they're sharing all their secrets and uh, you know somehow someone else is going to benefit and it's going to hurt their business, which is total bull. I learned that the more you share with people, the better you become. 
And if agents could get that get that in their minds, I mean, I wish some of the conferences, and maybe this is something for you to consider, have a roundtable of only agents, you know, no outsiders, no consultants, no vendors, no one who has some ulterior motive to sell something to agents uh, in the room, and just have agents sit around and just, you know, talk about some topics and talk about the challenges they're going through. And I think it would be very productive. So that's who I try to talk to, veteran agents that have been in the business a long time, that have been through good economies, bad economies, hard markets, soft markets, uh, been sued, have employment problems. Uh, those are the people that I talk to because that experience and wisdom is uh, is irreplaceable and, and you're not going to find that on a blog. That's what, you know, so, so you, made a, you made a couple of really good points there. Um, so first, I would say, having put on Elevate, uh, finding speakers is one of the most challenging things that you can. That, that it, it is, it is, it's harder than selling sponsorships. It's harder than finding a good venue. Finding the right mix of speakers. If now, I would not say that every event probably puts as much time and effort into finding the right speakers. Um, I think that's why Elevate felt like such a different event for so many people. And I'm, probably being a little there's a little hubris in there but i don't care <laughs> i worked my ass off for that event and i think it came off pretty well um no one can take uh can take from me how hard i worked on making that the event that it was so um but i can tell you that finding speakers that fit what you just talked about that 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 are there for the right reasons that aren't there to sell their services that are willing to give you know i i I, I'm a firm believer. I, I read a lot of uh, a lot of stuff about being a better speaker, and you listen to Michael Port or Scott Stratton or or any of these guys who are who are really really um, they're they're speakers, but they're kind of more than that. They they give back to the speaker community. Um, you're, you're leaving a piece of your of yourself on stage, and you can see that, and you can feel it. And there's a difference between someone who has some charisma but is ultimately trying to backdoor you into their book or their consulting project versus someone who's just willing to, to, to give you everything they have and understand that, that it's possible someone could come up and ask you about, about, your, about uh, working with you. Those are, those are two completely different things. And, and, in, and in essence, both get you opportunities, but one gets you invited back to Elevate and, and one does not. Um, so, 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 that is that is definitely uh, that is definitely something that you, that you have to consider. Right now, I'm I'm in the process of, of, of finding speakers, and it's it definitely is it definitely is not easy. So I, I also want to touch on what you said about um, sharing, and this is a really interesting um, phenomenon. I could not agree with you more on there are there is this there there is a sec a subset of agents in um, the independent space who. Like you, you said, keep close, keep keep their success close to the vest, and and I do think that is to the detriment of the entire industry, including their own businesses. Um, I was told when I first got into the business, I asked about uh, the New York uh, IABNY's event, and this is you know going on this is a decade ago, and uh, and my father-in-law at the time said you don't need to go to that, you know the you know you don't want ever everyone else knowing your secret sauce. Right. And at the time, 25 years old or whatever I was, 20, I guess I was 26. Um, you know, that seemed OK. I mean, makes I don't sense. really get that. But, you know, like, OK, that makes sense. I don't want my competitors knowing my secret sauce. And then uh, the very so I didn't go to an event until the first event I was ever asked to speak at. And I went to that event and I did my thing and I'm walking around and I was like, oh, my God, I have been literally missing out on 
I could have moved my, my career up two, three, four, ten, five, you know, how many years by being in this place because agents are talking about this works and that works and here's what I say on the phone here and you need to not, you know, don't talk to those guys, talk to these guys over here and this tool is working really, I'm like, oh my God, they're just giving it all away and I went back and I started telling my father-in-law and my brother-in-law about this and, and looked and, and I, they, they weren't doing it in a negative way, right? It was just, there was a lot of agents that think this way so I'm not trying to knock them. Um, and now their whole opinion has changed on events, and now they're starting to go to things and, and be part of it. And uh, I think it's natural to think that way, but um, you spend, you go to one good quality event, and you make one good quality connection with another agent uh, in the space, and you start sharing ideas, and you will want to go to every event that you can get at because um, you just learn so much. I just, I couldn't agree with you more that attending events, in person events, um, is a is a game changer for the agents that have stayed away from them. Absolutely, absolutely. You never know who you're going to meet. You never know that could be a future partner. That could be a future cluster partner. That could be, a, you know, you, you you never know. I mean, it could be a referral source. It could be a. It's just yes. You definitely have to go. You got to share what you know, and uh, you know the people that do that. When when you see someone who's up there sharing all of their all of that secret sauce. That's usually a very successful agent on that stage doing that. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's a successful yeah. person. They have a nice size agency, the great income, they're happy, they're motivated, they have a great business, uh, you know, and they're sharing everything. So I want some of that. You know, it's funny. I, um, I used to get asked all the time when I was an agent, why are you willing to travel around the country and tell everyone how you were able to, you know, the, hundred questions answered in hundred days thing and all that kind of stuff. You know, why were you, why are you willing to literally to share all that? And I said, cause at the end of the day, everything that I did, you can find online for free. I've written about it. Other people have written about similar case studies. Um, there's no like secret sauce. It always comes down to execution. And I believe in my heart of hearts that I can out execute just about anyone if I really want to. And there's many people that feel the exact same way. That's not, an, that's not a, a quality that's, that's exclusive to me, right? When you talk to the best and brightest, they know in their heart that they can out-execute their competition. So they don't mind sharing that information. And I think that's, that's what we need. And, and, and the other piece of it too is there's so much to go around. There's so much to go around. I could give my five biggest competitors in the Albany area literally the template for what I did and have them actually and help them execute on it. And there would still be more business than all of us could write. And Albany's a tiny little 150,000 person town. You know what I mean? So it's like, there is so much business out there that the sharing of ideas only helps amplify our industry as a whole. And the idea of what it means to be an independent agent and, and, and how independent agents help the market, which, which then in turn helps Everyone, including yourself, right? It's like this self-perpetuating machine, but it all starts with sharing. So that takes me to my next question for you, Stuart, which is you talked about experience and how you gravitate towards the people who, who had all this experience. And, and, and I'm with you there. I, I love I, when I can be the fly in a wall in a conversation with someone who's been in the business for 30, 40 years and just hear them tell stories. It's like that's like uh, that's like Christmas for me. I really weird kind of never would have thought that my life would become this kind of way it really is yeah Yeah, exactly (laughs) um and um and but but 
The other piece of it is we have this, there's been a lot written about it, we have this talent gap, right? I read something the other day, uh, I think in uh, AM Best, uh, Best Review Magazine, that uh, in 2020, um, there, we could have as much as a 400,000 person deficiency in the industry. So we could, we could be we could not. We could lose four hundred thousand jobs that need to be filled, not lose and they don't exist anymore. Like we have four hundred thousand positions that need to be filled <clears throat> by twenty twenty. Okay, so how do we start to mix? Because because the thing that scares me in that is is not necessarily that we can't fill those positions because we can. I mean, we can just hire. But how do we transition the knowledge from those people who've been in the business 30, 40, 50 years in some cases? How do we transition that knowledge? through this gap to the next generation that's coming in like, like you know, how do we how do we make sure that this next generation understands and respects the knowledge that's being passed down to them you know what i mean because i think that goes both ways i think sometimes the more experienced members are hesitant to share or and and the the younger members of our of our industry or the newer members are hesitant to take that because they're like well i don't want to become you know that i don't want to do things that old way but it's like yeah that old way worked for a really long time. You can add new technology into the old way and be very, very successful. So, see, does, it, does my question make sense? Yeah, it does. I'm, I'm waiting for an easy question, but uh, yeah. you know, yes, I totally understand the question. No, I, I and and that's that's I think the veterans of the business. So most people you talk to have a story about how they got into the insurance business, right? None of us are ten years old and say, mm, fireman or insurance agent. I'm not real sure what I want to be. Right, so somewhere along the way, at you know, at 18, 20, 25 years old, we trip and fall, and all of a sudden we're sitting in an insurance agency, and then five years later we're like, wow, this is going to be my career. I love this business. So we have to figure out a way to get people to embrace it, you know, in their college years, and say, you know, insurance is this, you know, opportunity to earn annuity income. It's an opportunity to be a professional. But people don't look at us as the CPA and the attorney. They look at us more like the used car salesman. So I think our industry needs to do a better job at discussing how professional an insurance agent should be and how professional we are and what benefits we have in the community and to the public. And I think income is last. I don't think income is really the most important thing to a lot of the younger people. I think they just want to be happy in a job and insurance isn't sexy. So I think we need to position ourselves as professionals. You have doctors, you have lawyers, you have CPAs. Why the heck is an insurance agent in that? You know, granted, it's a, it's, it doesn't take the education, but in a sense it does. It's just on the job as opposed to a classroom where you get a degree. So, you know, again, we need to position ourselves and advertise this to the younger people that being an insurance agent is a professional position. It's, uh, it's, it's professional services, um, and uh, we don't do a very good job at that at all. Oh, I completely agree with you, man. I completely agree with you. It's something that's been on my mind a lot recently. Um, we're we're starting the process of uh, of doing a website redesign for TrustedChoice.com, and uh, the, there hasn't been any major changes to the website in three years, which is a long time in, in, in the internet world. Um, it's, it's a lifetime in the internet. Yeah, world. that's forever. But but the hardest part about website designs is they really make you start to question. Your messaging, how you deliver it, what do people want to hear? How do you prioritize these things? So, you know, the, my my brain just goes in all different directions, and I start to think about exactly what you said and what part of our stewardship in, in the independent channel 
is starting to do, I don't know how you describe it, but almost like public service announcements for the insurance industry. You know what I mean? But do them in like a fun way, like not in a, like they have to be fun and exciting and, and, and again, capture uh, a perspective that like, um, I'm not going to say millennials, but like that, that mindset that has been applied to the millennial generation, which really transcends the millennials. I don't, I don't want to dive down that hole, but, um, but that, 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 connected, quick, fun, I want to enjoy, you know, I want to make enough money to live my life and be happy, but I don't need to be a billionaire, right? Like that is, that's the, like the weird disconnect with the millennial generation is that, is that it's not that they don't want to be successful and it's not that money isn't important because I think we all know that it is to many of them, but it, there's this, there's also this piece where being happy in their career and being p- proud of their career and what they do and the impact they have is, is almost as important, if not more important in many cases. And I couldn't think of a career like insurance that provides all those pieces. You're part of your community. You're helping protect people. You're an incredibly important part of their life. You're touching tons of different people. You get to do what, you know, you can build it up to be whatever you want it to be. There's tons of money to be made. So there's that piece too. Yet, Everyone wants to be a financial advisor, sit behind a desk, and hawk Walmart stock all day. And it's like that, that lifestyle is not – that lifestyle is miserable. The, 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 to me, being a financial advisor, if you can get past the, that chasm, is, is, you know, can be pretty fun. But all these young people who go into that, that financial services uh, field to start and just get the crap beat out of them – uh, I, I don't, how do we, how do we stop them from going there first? Yeah. I think it's sexy. I think you've got the Morgan Stanley's, the Goldman's, the, you know, they've got, they've got things they're, they're probably offering things out of college that a, uh, you know, a 25 person independent agent just can't offer. So that's just not appealing. Um, but you know, you're right. I mean, there's, there's a learning curve in this business, but it could be as long or as short. I, I think it's forever, obviously. But if younger people could somehow become attracted to this business, um, we would solve that problem. And it is a great business. I mean, it's like you said, you could be anything you want and you don't have to be in the independent agency system. You could go into be an actuary. You could be an underwriter. You could be you could. It's it's so large. Everything that touches the ground is insured. There is nothing sexy about being an actuary. Even I get even it. you and I can't put an and make an actuary sexy. Are you? I'm just. I'm just I don't like, know, man. You know, my 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 son is 13, and and they 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 recite a hundred digits of pi. So maybe it is sexy. You know, with the science and the data and metrics and numbers and yeah. the way math is sexy now. Who knows? Maybe it is. But we just need to attract younger people. Uh, you know, again, in those high school, and maybe it's you know like the 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 you know. The government is putting together mentor programs for construction companies. Maybe an association like yours can put together some sort of a mentoring program in a couple of big cities as a test. Have a couple of agents bring in, you know, junior college students, second or third year students, and have a mentoring program because it's a trade. I mean, that's how I got into it. Is I was a high school dropout, um, rough childhood. I mean, nightmare of a childhood. And at 18 years old, I was prospect. I was selling health club memberships on the street. And I walked by an insurance agent and I heard the phone ringing and I said, 
well, who are all these people calling you? And everyone's in a suit and there's 50 desks in the place and everyone has headsets on. And it's like the New York Stock Exchange, something you really wanted to be a part of. And they said, oh, we're an insurance agency. Said, what does that mean? Well, people call us for quotes. How do they call you? Well, we advertise on TV, yellow pages, radio, and they call in, we give them a quote, people come in, they buy insurance, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, looked at my guest passes, the sweat under my armpits and literally threw them in the garbage and went and applied for an insurance job and have been in the industry ever since. That was the summer of 1989. I was 18 years old. That's how I got in the business. But eight, these younger people aren't really doing that now, right? Right now they have an iPhone, things are cush, things are a little easier. We need to figure out a way to mentor young people in college and show them that the insurance industry is not for boring old people that wear plaid blazers. Yeah, I think it's gonna come in through the engineering through the, the, the coding and, and that type of development. And um, so one I will say, um, uh, the Independent Insurance Agents and Brokers of America has a wonderful program called Invest. Um, I don't know all the specific data. Uh, I've done some work with them in creating videos and stuff, but it's a wonderful program where they are getting into high schools and colleges and, and starting to get the word out. And, it, and to be honest with you, uh, the, the kids that they touch have some ridiculous retention rate in the industry. It's been, the program's been around long enough now where they're getting, hey, they get through high school, they get through college, and then are they coming back into the industry? And it does have a really big impact. Uh, and kids coming back. The problem is, um, it's you know you got to fund it, and you can only we only have so much money. So uh, if you're listening to this and uh, you are looking to give back to the industry, Invest is a great place to do that. If you need more information, go to uh, iaba.net or I think independentagent.com is another URL that'll get you there. Look for Invest or just ping me, and I'll I'll send you to the right person. But um, uh, so that's that's a wonderful story. I mean, I. Not wonderful in that you didn't have a great childhood and that you were selling health club memberships, but wonderful that you saw this thing and you're like, you know what, screw it. I want something more for myself and I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go take this opportunity. So, um, and, and in that space, you saw the industry presented in a way that appealed to you, which was this you know, action and professionalism and oh, there's, there's things happening. So I think that when you, the, the problem is when you look at a lot of local Main Street agencies, there isn't anything happening in there. And uh, as an industry, if we're thinking bigger, um, you know, I, I look at like a guy like uh, Seth Zaremba from Zinc Insurance. Dude's got four full-time marketers. He's got a programming team. I think he outsources some of it too. He's growing like crazy, advertising all over the place. He's got cool branding. And he's a, he's a, a location agnostic agent uh, out of Ohio. And um, I had a chance recently to talk to him. And I'm like, dude, this is a freaking cool agency. This is the kind of agency that if you're 24 years old and you know how to do, uh, you know, you know how to program and you're like, I want to build some cool tools. This is the kind of agency owner that if you bump into Seth and you got a cool idea, this guy is going to invest in you. He's going to not, not maybe technically invest, but invest in bring you in or whatever. He, he's going to want to take your idea and put it into the marketplace and have fun with it and use it to grow and make money and do all the cool things that we want to do. And, um, I think, I think there needs to be, we need to highlight those. And, and Seth's just one example. There's, 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 there's many more. Uh, I'm just using him because I, uh, one, I like him and, uh, two, he's kind of a ball buster, which I also makes me like him more. So, um, uh, 
so we, I just we need I think we need to find ways, uh, specifically guys like you and me, people who who have platforms to a certain extent. We have to find ways to to highlight what uh, you know the zinc insurance agencies are doing. You know the zinc type agencies of our of of our space are doing, so that we can start to tell those stories better. And and maybe maybe man maybe it's on you and me maybe you and I and and those of us who work in the the, the dissemination of ideas space um, maybe we need to be better about telling these stories and, and and maybe that's really what it is 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 taking on uh, this task and and starting to spread these ideas um, to places where maybe they don't normally spread. I totally agree. I completely agree. And uh, you know. I just made a note to myself that yes, this should become a focus because there are a lot of, uh, you know, there, there are a lot of junior college, four or five year junior college students trying to find their way. And, uh, you know, maybe it's, maybe there's people like that out there that just need to learn a trade, but they want a white collar trade, not a blue collar trade. And, and this is a, it's a great business. So that's, it's a great point. And we do need to do a better job. We need to recruit young people into this business so it continues and look at InsureTech. That's where all the growth is, right? You go to InsureTech, it's probably, uh, you know, if you're over 35, you're probably old, right? And that's just, you know, that's, that's, that's recruiting people left to right because that's the technology side of the business. But the production side of the business is lacking. It's really lacking because it's not sexy. We need to bring sexy yeah. back to insurance, man. We need to bring sexy back. What we need is like a Jay Timbo commercial, sexy back, but with insurance policies. I don't know how we. If anyone knows Justin Timberlake, pass my information along. I'll I'll put a commercial together with Jay Timbo. Um, so, you know, I, I I'm with you, man. You know, the the interesting part about the insure tech space, and I, and I know you've done some some work with uh, you know technology companies in our space and some some agencies that are more technology driven. The thing that the thing that I keep finding. Um, with a, with a lot, not all, but a lot of the insure tech space is uh, they are they're looking at our industry. Their entire disruption, if we're going to use that word, is based on marketing and the idea that an algorithm can underwrite better than a human. I think in in some pieces maybe that's true. I don't, I don't know that it is, but I agree with you uh, that in many of these companies the the legacy of knowledge in the business of insurance is ultimately going to be what brings them down. I, I just read an article the other day about a company called Kin, K-I-N, Insurance. Um, they got $4 million from a from a couple different investors. Uh, I think it's a Series A round or maybe it's their seed round or whatever. Um, and they are uh, have never written a policy. They only write in Florida or haven't written many policies. Um, I tried doing a couple... couple um, tests and I couldn't get any areas that they actually wrote insurance in. Um, but right now they write in, they supposedly write in Florida with an algorithm that can better predict cat losses than human beings can in Florida, starting, starting their agency and venture capitalists were willing to give them $4 million for that. And I think about that and, and, you know, just put on your insurance business hat for a second, right? That to me sounds like $4 million that we could have lit on fire we could have put it in the toilet and flushed it. You know what I mean? We could have used our our uh, blend tech and blended it into a, into a nice smoothie. Like it's just wasted puff smoke money because the idea that 
insurance carriers that have been in business for 150 years uh, can't figure out how to consistently write homeowners insurance policies in Florida, yet four guys with no insurance experience are going to create an algorithm that that underwrites it uh, better, to me, is is bonkers. Like, that, to me, is just a ludicrous idea. And then we're all, we all hold them up as, here's the disruptors of the industry. You know what I mean? Like, look at these guys. And I'm like, that, well, come on. I mean, it's not new. It's, you know what I mean? How many underwriters have gone into Florida saying that they're going to change the way we write insurance in Florida and just gotten obliterated by the first time a named storm crosses across the peninsula? It just, to me, it's crazy the amount of money that are getting thrown at these companies. Great. Yeah, it really is. That is crazy. I hope Florida has, uh, you know, I hope their guarantee association is well funded if this is what they're doing, because you're right. I mean, these companies have been going at this for hundreds of years. Um, but, uh, you know, and, you know, there's no there's no shortcuts. You know, I mean, there are no real shortcuts in this business. And we've seen companies. I mean, I'm in California and over the last 25, 27 years, I can't tell you how many companies I've seen come in and say, oh, yeah, we did a me too to this carrier. And we're going to, you know, we're going to we're going to eat up market share and we're going to do this. We're going to do that. And you're quoting the living daylights out of it, selling the living daylights out of it. Six months later, poof, rates are doubled. Policyholders are pissed. You're moving books of business. Company's gone. And, uh, you know, it's this vicious cycle. So it just doesn't. It doesn't work, man. It doesn't work. It's very difficult. So we're so I don't I I don't presume to think, however, that the venture capital money is all dumb, right? I I I know just from talking to the few people I know in the space and reading as much as I do that uh, you can't assume venture capital money is smart. But I also um, uh, am not going to assume that they're that they're dumb. Uh, so there is ungodly amounts of money being pumped into the space um venture capitalists have given lemonade six you know north of 60 million i think they're they may be closer to 90 now um there's a company writing renters insurance in the three most expensive cities in the entire uh country at 65 dollars a pop with a cost of acquisition somewhere between 65 and 100 dollars a piece um they haven't made a profit as a company and you have to assume with a primarily um, you know, with, with primarily their entire book of business backed solely by reinsurance, not by reserves, that if a storm hits any one of those cities or an earthquake in California, um, they're, they're toast. They're completely out of business. I mean, or their reinsurance becomes so expensive on the back end that they can't compete in the marketplace. So um, I look at that and I say, how does it work? Like if you were, if, you know, and maybe, maybe you have an idea, maybe you don't, but, but I'm still wrapping my brain around how the startup insurance carrier disrupts the marketplace, right? I can see someone coming in with a fancy marketing platform and they can take a little bit of share, but really they're just an agency, which we've seen a lot with some really good companies, CoverHound, CoverWallet, Insurion, great models, good people, basically just e-agencies that got a little venture capital to, to up their flow. It's, it's all good in the hood, right? But not really disruptors, just well-run e-agencies, just competition. Um, but how does the carrier model work? I can't figure it out, man. Like I just can't wrap my brain around how you start from scratch a carrier with an algorithm and, and you buy your way into any of these markets. It just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. I mean, neither because, you know, I told you we started an agency in 2012 and you go out gangbusters and you're writing all this new business and a year and a half later, they're like, Hey, your loss ratio is a hundred percent, man. You need to chill out. 
you know, it's like, oh, but it's a new book. It's running hot. It's this, it's that. It's like, yeah, that's, that's a great story. And that's partially true, but you need to start underwriting this way and that way and do this and do that and do th So as a carrier to be doing that, I, I don't, I don't understand it either. I mean, I, I really don't, I, I don't get it. Yeah. So my mind goes to, uh, everybody is betting on the, the insure techs. Um, my mind goes to the carriers and I look at like, um, and I'm going to butcher his name, um, the new CEO of AIG, Brian Deparalt, I think is his name. Uh, he just wrote a really interesting article on, on LinkedIn about uh, talent. But, but he's doing some really interesting things at AIG. I see some of this stuff that Travelers is doing. They just purchased Simply Business. Um, to me, I think what for, for change really to happen in, in, in this space, um, real, a real significant long-term long-term change and, and improvement, uh, it's got to come from one of the big players, right? It's going to come from, or, or an established regional that just goes, you know, really hyper invest into technology and can, and can figure out how to scale their model up and become a national player. But, but I don't see how you start in like New York city and you take over the world with an algorithm. I just, you know what I mean? I, I don't, I just, I can't wrap my brain around that. And, to, and, 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 I, and I'm sure that it's possible and I'm sure I'm being short-sighted. But for me, I think this is one of the few industries where change can absolutely happen and it can happen overnight. It's just going to take visionary leadership inside one of these larger carriers. And um, man, you can get momentum going and, and I think they can change the world. I think they really can. Um, I just, it's, it's, I think it's just, we're... We're, we're starting to see that today. And who's it going to be? Is it going to be progressive? Is it going to be Safeco? Is it going to be Liberty? You know, I mean, I know Liberty and Safeco are, are, are own. I know Safe, Liberty owns Safeco, but they're run separately. You know what I mean? Like, um, yeah. you know, who's no, it going to be? I don't know. Yeah, uh, and it's, it, it seems like, you know, the, the, the independent agency, um, you know, you've got, some of these, some of these independent agencies that opened up going bank gangbusters, right? So they'll hire 20, 25 producers. They're buying a couple of hundred internet leads a day. They get some world-class technology for lead management and, you know, they start selling insurance and they're just focused on numbers, right? They're, they're not focused on insurance at all. They're just looking at how many leads did we get? What's our cost per sale? What's our closing percentage? How much revenue did we bring in? What's our cost per employee, revenue per employee? Um, and, you know, five years ago, these guys were, they, they were struggling. So I think what you're saying is exactly true because that e-agency, independent agent, that took that technology background with the data, the metrics, and building a sales center and had a blend of some of that insurance veteranship like you and I have and know and understand and hey, you've got to love your customers, you've got to cross-sell, you've got to write some profitable business, you got to add higher limits, you got to this, you got to that. Those are the ones that are, are sustaining growth. The ones that didn't do it and just treated it like a big number they're, 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 they're losing their shirts. I mean, they're not making any money. So you're right about the carrier. It's going to take a big established carrier uh, or two or three that team up and don't keep their secrets close to the vest that team up and say, hey, we need to do this technology wise and we need to do X, Y and Z and maybe they can figure out how to make it work. But uh, the agency side is just barely starting to figure it out. So the carriers have, I think, even more risk and more to lose and they haven't. Yeah, I hope the carriers will be leaders in this one. I really hope they do. I, uh, I, I definitely have uh, I definitely have CEO fantasies someday where I'm 
where I'm the CEO of one of these large companies and I'm able to drive growth and all this kind of stuff. But, but there's, some, there's some spectacular leaders in this space and I'm, and I'm hoping uh, that they continue to push. And, and, and you said it, man. You said it. Uh, you got to love your customers. We can go bottom line all day and I get that your investors and, and if you're a public company, you have to answer to them. Um, I get that. Uh, I get that the bottom line matters. I'm, I'm not a pie in the sky you know, I, I don't want to be by uh, be that way, but um, but you have to love your customers and the companies that don't. The, the internet makes it so obvious, and uh, and you know, Stuart, I am glad that we've gotten to know each other. Uh, if you are listening to this and, and 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 you're interested in this kind of stuff, reach out to Stuart. Connect with him on LinkedIn. Go to Gannis G A N I S Co. G A N I S C O dot com. Connect with Stuart, um, connect with him on LinkedIn, check out his stuff. If you see him speaking, make sure you go to his session. Um, I have, uh, I've really enjoyed um, the last six months to a year where we've gotten to know each other even better than just, just the internet. It's been lots of fun, and I'm looking forward to, to more in the future, man. Um, thanks so much for coming on the show. Same here, and thank you for the kind words. Uh, I appreciate it. All right, guys, we'll catch you on the flip side.